On today's Locked on Texan podcast, we are joined by a running back from UTIP, Ronald Awad, to discuss the NFL draft and how he's preparing for the next step in his life. And to tie it all in, we want to develop a great team here that we can deliver wins to the city of Houston. We want to deliver a championship here to the city of Houston, and that's what, it, that's what it'll be about. You are Locked on Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Monday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you are subscribed to the Locked On Texan Podcast on YouTube and on Apple Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Megaphone, and Spotify, all of the major podcasting platforms. I'm John Hickman, and of course, I'm joined by none other than Sports Illustrated's own and Texan Credential Media member, Cody Davis. And today, we have a special guest of uh, for the Locked On Texan Podcast, UTEP's own, man, Mr. Ronald A.Y., mm. running back. Coming out, 2023 NFL draft prospect. Within the next couple of months, his life will change. And, man, <laughs> Mr. Ronald, before we even talk football, thank you for joining the show. I can't mm-hmm. wait to have you uh, answer a couple of questions, man. Let the people know who you really are. <laughs> I appreciate you guys once again. Ronald, Ronald, before we start talking about your career in football, I just want to know, you're talking about a guy who actually grew, grew up with the same dream of playing in the NFL, playing in the NBA, trying to get to that level, unfortunately, didn't make it. But, Ronald, can you just tell myself and the listeners, man, what it's like to be on the cuffs of a long, uh, uh, just a long life, life goal dream of yours? It feels good, especially whenever you know that you put in so much hard work and you just like just manifesting everything and just just believing in yourself, just knowing how everything just played out. It's just a good feeling just uh, just to have, and I'm, I'm real grateful for it. Hmm. Now, listen, right now, y'all may see the tape of fade, right? But coming into college, you had the dreads, had the little baby dreads. <laughs> the next year, they grew out a little longer. Then you cut them. You're fresh out of Lubbock coming into college. Uh, Lubbock, Texas, and now you are preparing for the next step uh, of your life, in your life and career. What have you learned about yourself as a man and a football player that's helped you to get to this point and help you through the process of preparing for the draft? Uh, I just, I learned a lot about myself, like especially when it comes to like integrity and just um, believing in yourself, especially whenever you're going through like hard times and times when you don't see the, like, the light at the end of the tunnel and just being like person, like just being able to persevere through everything. Cause I mean, I went through my ups and my downs at UTEP and just in life in general and just being able to bounce back is something that uh, I can really pride myself on. But like I, I've grown as a man and especially at my time at UTEP. Mm. You talk about the stuff that you overcame in your life, you know, um, mm-hmm. at, at UTEP and stuff. How are those trials and tribulations are actually going to shape you and help you with the transition that you're going to make in the NFL? Because as we all know, even though you make the NFL, you know, you're still going to have some, you know, some trying times as well. Yeah, it just it just made me realize that everything isn't going to be handed to you. Like high school, I mean, high school was cool, it was fun, and it was pretty much it was pretty much easy, but when you got to the college level, it's more of like you 
can't just go out for athleticism all the time. It's all about knowing, like knowing things, knowing uh, football aspects, schemes, and stuff like that. And coming into college, I struggled with that. And so uh, in high school, I was able to get away with that because of my athleticism. But as I got into college, it was I had to learn that stuff and just being down and uh, not being able to get it right away was something that I had to really like dig down deep and honestly just look at myself and tell myself like I got to work harder and. As I was able to do that, good things started to happen uh, throughout my career at Utah. So, recruited as a running back. Mm-hmm. Freshman year, you're playing running back. Your following year, they switch you to the defensive side of the ball. So, you're talking about the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs, the changes that came with playing at UTEP. What's the craziest experience that you went through uh, during your collegiate time that made you look at the game of football a whole lot differently compared to when you were playing in high school? So in high school, uh, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, and where I went to high school, is a, it's like a, a football town. So it was like every time it was a football game, the whole town shut down, everybody was at the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, we we were winning. That was that was the main thing in high school, we were winning. Then when I got to college, it was kind of hard. We were kind of on the losing end. And uh, – the toughest thing that just made me really like realize like I really do love the game was when we had that 0 12 season. I want to say it was 2018 or something like that. We had an 0 12 season, and it could have been it could have been easy for us to just like well for me to just lay down and be like man I'm not even playing and we're losing and stuff like that. But it's just having that perseverance and knowing knowing what I could do and I was able to get through that and it helped me become who I am today and just even. Even more than that, just going through little things like injuries and stuff like that, and just being able to bounce back from that stuff kind of made me the person who I am today. And I mean, I feel like it's going to take me to the next level, help me, help me in the next level. But I know in the next level, it's not going to be easy, and there's going to be things I got to go through as well. So we we'll talk about the next level. Describe your thoughts and emotions when you're at your pro day and you see the teams out there like the San Francisco 49ers, the Los Angeles Rams. You're seeing the NFL in front of your mm-hmm. eyes. Can you talk about that emotion and, and how you were able to kind of still perform because you had to perform, but then just realizing, man, it's, it's this close. I'm almost there. I just got to keep working. Yeah, of course you got the nerves running through you, and it's kind of like you're on a big stage. It's one of the biggest interviews that you're going to have. But it was one of those things that like, I had to realize that, man, this is something I've been doing. I've been playing football. So at the end of the day, it was kind of like, yeah, the scouts are out there and they're watching, but just be myself, have fun, and just go out there and perform. And that's what was really going through my mind the whole day. I woke up I woke up that morning turned. I was like, man, I'm going to go out here and have a good day. And then whenever you go out there, you see everybody, you see all your teammates and everybody, family, and all that stuff around you kind of get a little bit nervous. You're like, man, I got to perform now. But then it was one of those things I had to tell myself, like, man, it's something, this this is stuff I've been doing for the past six years. Like, it's something that I'm, I'm used to doing. So once I was once I was able to get over that, it was all good. And I was able to perform at my best. Hmm. One of the things that, you know, when I when I looked at your time at UTEP, especially last season, um, you was able to share the backfield with Deion Hankins. How beneficial is it to be in the backfield, getting that experience, sharing reps, sharing splits with somebody like that? You know, that's actually going to help you in the NFL as well. Man, it was good. Um, Deion, he's he's such a, a great football player, but he's a, he's an even better person. And he helped me off the field, especially when I was going through things. But even on the field, we complimented each other so good because we both had different styles of play. 
and we was able to learn off each other. So like he'll do certain things and practice, and I'll be like, dang, like how you do that? And then I'll do certain things. He'll ask me the same thing, like how you do that. So we were able to learn from each other at the same time. And it was it was a real real cool experience. And I feel like in the field, I mean nowadays you have two three backs out there, so it's like you have to like be a sponge and learn from the other back and see what they're doing and kind of add that to your game. So I was able to do that and utilize that. What happened beyond in the backfield? So at any point, have you talked with former Pro Bowl All-Pro running back and went to UTIP, Aaron Jones? Have you guys been in any contact at all? And has he been able to give you any advice on playing running back at the next level? But if not Aaron Jones, like has there been anybody that said, hey, man, listen, this is what it's going to take, and I want you to be prepared in order to get to where we know you ultimately can't end up? Yeah, Aaron, Aaron's my dog. Whenever he comes back, like like training and stuff like that, I'm working out with him and stuff like that. I got his number. I'll be calling him Facetime throughout the whole the uh, the whole draft process and the whole training process. I was calling him and just asking him for tips because coming out of Utah, I was trying to see like what to expect and things like that. And then he would have he would like have like uh, football camps and stuff like that. So like he would bring other NFL players and. Uh, another NFL player he had brought was Dexter Williams. He played for the uh, the Green Bay Packers as well. He was running back behind him. And uh, I was able to talk to him and just see, like, how it was the next level, what to expect. And he brought other he brought other uh, running backs to, like, Michael Carter and all them. So I was able to talk to them and just kind of get an insight with the NFL's like and, and just pretty much, like, just know where everything's going to be like at the next level. Really quick, really quick. So I, you got Aaron Jones' number. At yeah. any point, do you hit Aaron Jones and say, hey, man, I need two touchdowns for my fantasy team because we, uh, <laughs> I need you this week. I'm in the chat. I need you this week. Hey, I need the – I'm just messing around, man. Nah, I mean, I just, yeah. I just, I just, I just call him on some cool stuff to, you know, yeah. chop it up about life. And, you know what I'm saying? It's, like, that's my boy outside of outside of, uh, outside of of football and everything, too. So, it's a real cool, good, good relationship. Hmm. Rondo, last question before we let you go. Um, once again, you're on the cuffs of making the NFL. What are some of the goals and a- admirations that you're actually going to set for yourself in, the, in this new life that you're about to get into? Man, one thing that I'm really like, – one of the goals that I have is to come in and make an impact. I want to I wanna be able to touch the field. Like, me personally, I've never been to an NFL game. So, hmm. playing in my playing, – playing in the NFL game, that would be my first game. And then – getting a touchdown, things like that, just being a part of an NFL team and actually helping them out, whether it's on special teams or just uh, being a guy in the backfield. That's, that's something that's a that's a big goal of mine going into going into the next NFL season. So I do got one more question, man, because you mentioned uh, – we talked about you playing some DB. You mentioned the, the importance of being, you know, one of multiple guys that can share the backfield for a successful team. When you, when you look at everything that you can bring to the table – Ronald, like, if we were NFL scouts, right, if we were a team thinking about drafting you, what would be your selling pitch? Because it seems like you can do a little bit of everything. You are a run, I think, the last couple of years, combined for maybe what are nearly six yards per carry, so you can run the ball well. You have experience on the other side, and with a 53-man roster, you got to find ways to get on the field. It's not always going to be, you know, peachy cream. So as a prospect, Ronald, man, what, what – who who is Ronald Awy, and why should you play for the Texans? <laughs> man, I'm one of those players where like, if you need me to do anything, I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability. If I don't know how to do it, I'm gonna learn how to do it. And I can I can guarantee you that, and that's something I feel like I can pride myself on because, I mean, 
playing running back and then playing DB is two different positions. So it was like I had to learn how to read offenses. I had to learn how to read defenses whenever I was playing running back. So it's like one of those things I feel like I'm able to catch on to things pretty quick and just uh be like be a sponge to everything, be a sponge to my coaches and whenever they tell me something, understand it and comprehend it. And, you know what I'm saying? Go out there and make stuff happen with it. So I feel like that's something I could bring to a team and and I feel like that that'll help me out in the long run. When you get that call that you coming to the Texans, I'm gonna keep saying that by the way. When you get the call, you coming to the Texans, and when you at the house, what's the first meal you need when they when you get that congratulations call? You you coming home, man? So I, I grew up in a Nigerian household, so you know I got I got I got to get some Nigerian food. So I don't know some some uh, some fufu or something like that. Oh like, man, yeah, like, I, I gotta I gotta fill my stomach up. But I mean, there you go. But like I need some home cooked meal. That's what I need. Some some home cooked. I'll be good. There you go, right there. Mm. There it goes, man. Ronald AY you tips running back, man. Listen, we appreciate you. Your chances of changing your life is super high, man. On the next level. All we ask is don't forget about us. We ain't gonna forget <laughs> about you, man. But thank you for about. There's no way he could forget about us because if he get drafted to the Texans, he'd be looking at us almost every single day yeah. inside of NRG Stadium. <laughs> yeah, you know it's all love. Thank you very much. Yes, I appreciate you guys once again. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You've heard us talk a lot about the mobile game app on the show on the Locked on Texas podcast. If you've ever thought about becoming a general manager or if you think you'd be a good GM, well, before you try to go take over the 32 teams in the NFL, you want to give this game a try. It's not as easy as you think to create a dynasty. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory, trying to build one historic dynasty. Listen, the best thing about this is when you are a part of this franchise, this game, excuse me, you hire the right coaches and coordinators. You manage all of the finances, finances, excuse me, including negotiating players, salaries, and terms. You also navigate your team through free agency, the draft injuries, personnel, player personnel issues, and all of the ups and downs of a season. All of this in a challenging yet realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want when you want to. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise whenever they use promo code locked on in all caps in the game store. That's promo code locked on in all caps in the game store. So make sure you check it out today. Welcome back in, Locked On Texan listeners and viewers out there in the YouTube world. That was UTEP's own running back, Ronald A. Watt. Uh, he has an opportunity to change his life hmm. this offseason and actually the next couple of weeks. We are now in <laughs> April. Uh, today's April 3rd. And I want to look at how Houston addressed the running back position this offseason so far. Sign Devin Singletary still have. Damian Pierce on the roster. So the immediate thought is that's your one-two punch. There's no word of bringing back Rex Burkhead. So, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> thank God, right? And I hope Rex Burkhead's name doesn't come up like it does, you know, with Jesus on Easter in the third day. I'm back. <laughs> I hope Rex doesn't get that. Oh, my God. That that uh, that um doesn't go through that. But for Houston, I think a lot of people still understand that they need to add a running back to this running back room. You got Darre still, um, and, and I don't know the relationship 
with Darray and this team now. Mm-hmm. I think last year Darray should have had more opportunities to show his talents, and that didn't happen. You 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 probably would point to Houston purposely losing games on purpose if you're not want to give more talented guys opportunities. But the thought of maybe drafting a running back late. So now when you look at bringing in Devin Singletary, how does this impact the Texans? I got to go immediately to the conversation we just had with a Ronald Awad out of UTEP. And I think to myself, man, maybe maybe Houston addresses the running back position very late, maybe seventh mm-hmm. round. Maybe there is a opportunity there for Houston who is happy with their running backs that they have on the roster, but maybe some undrafted free agents that could catch Houston's eye. They can bring them in into camp, give them an opportunity to make the roster because from round one through seven, they believe that there's other positions out there that we want to feel by guys that we really like and running back isn't on the board for them at this time. And not 100% agree with you, John, you know, going into the draft, I was a little bit conflicted on, when and how the Houston Texans should address a need for a number two running back. And I say that because we all remember and know the emergence of Damian Pierce. And due to Pierce, I didn't look at the running back position as a definite need like I used to look at it over the last couple of years. I remember you and I used to argue because I used to be like, they need to address the running back position at round number two. And you and I used to argue about that. But due to the emergence of Damian Pierce, I was like, look, I will be okay if they don't address it through the first five rounds because I I truly believe and trust in Damian Pierce that much. Once again, this is a guy, had he not gone down with that foot injury, I do believe he would have finished his rookie campaign with over 1,000 yards. And not only that, just take a look at the impact that he had on the Texans' backfield. This is a guy, when he was getting most of, if not all of the offensive snaps in the backfield, this is a guy who helped the Houston Texans rush for an average of about 80 to sometimes 100 yards a game. You remove him from the backfield, and you take a look at what the Texans were able to do with their rushing attack in those last four games. They only averaged somewhere in the ballpark to 60 to 70 yards. So you already know Damian Pierce is running back number one. However, I'm still keeping in mind that they need a number two running back. Now I'm looking at it from a standpoint, I would be okay if they address it in either the sixth or the seventh round. However, I felt like that put the Texans in a position where they could miss out on talent. Because correct me if I'm wrong, Damian Pierce was drafted in the fourth round, correct? My point exactly. So now that you add Devin Singletary into the mix, I feel that the Houston Texans can afford to wait until those later rounds to address a running back or best case scenario in my opinion go out and draft one of those undrafted free agents that unfortunately did not have an opportunity to get their name called and i know when people hear that they might think to themselves you know that's uh, where a lot of untalented players might be or whatever the case not whatever the case might be but that's not true because the greatest running back of all time Arian Foster was an undrafted free agent back in 2009, 2010, if I'm not mistaken. So that lets you know there are several diamonds on the rough that you can find as undrafted free agents. And I feel like that can be the best possible situation for this organization because 
If you go out and get a running back in the later rounds, undrafted free agency or whatever the case might be, you're looking at a situation where you'll give that guy an opportunity to sit for him for, for a year, learn from not only Damian Pierce, but a veteran in Devin Singletary. And by 2024, you will be a lot more confident in giving him the role as your number two running back. Because even though we're all excited about Devin, this is a guy who has only signed a one-year contract, which means this time next year, he could be gone. Yeah, man. So right now for the Houston Texans, they have Damian Pierce, Devin Singletary, Mike Boone, who was also uh, the other offseason signing, free agency signing, and Dari Ogubunwale. And when you look at some of the great undrafted running backs that's came out in the past 20 years, James Robinson, Dominique Rose, Philip Lindsay, who had a short stint with the mm. Houston Texans. And also a good career at, in Denver. And two back-to-back 1,000-yard -back seasons in Denver, Isaiah Crowell, LeGarry Blunt. <clears throat> and of course, hmm. best Texas running back in history. You got to look at Arian Foster. So there are always diamonds in the rough if your scouting team could find them. Of course, that's their job to go find those gems. But for Houston, I think it's okay to say that unless it's in between between the, the sixth and seventh round, it's okay if they go out and get an undrafted running back because they got two very good running backs right now. They still got a guy, Mike Boone and Dare on the roster. Adding another back to that group will make a very interesting uh, offseason going through camps and everything because now you will be able to evaluate. Well, we like this guy for special team purposes. By the way, Ronald A. White plays for special teams, plays some DB, mm. so you'll be able to put him out there, get a couple of tackles on the on, on, you know, kickoff return, punt return. But now we have a guy that can add a different element to this backfield. And that is what this backfield is missing. An element of maybe like the scat back being able to be more of a receiver out of the backfield, or maybe some some of these third and long situations where you could trust them in open space to get a couple of extra yards with the ball in their hands. And so uh this is a team that still needs to add to the running back room. However, I think there's opportunities late to snag, of, you know, a couple of good running backs later on in the draft. And I think that's the opportunity, excuse me, that's the approach the Houston Texans should have. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this Monday installment of Locked On Texans. And it's April. We are on the cuffs of the one of the most anticipated NFL draft for the Houston Texans. Um, they're coming in with a lot of capital. Uh, we thought we was excited last year. I think this year is even more exciting given the possibility that they can actually draft a new franchise quarterback, whether that be CJ or Bryce. And John, it's time for us to revisit some mistakes in Houston Texans draft history. And um, I get it kicked off. You already know where I stand. I cry and fight about it <laughs> every single year. And like I mentioned, there are moments in sports I'm never going to let go. And this is one of them. The Houston Texans, one of their biggest mistakes in draft history was not selecting Vince Young with the number one overall pick. Then we were Mario Williams. And I get it. I understand it. People are going to hit us and say, well, Vince Young didn't play out in Tennessee. Well, you know, he didn't have the right coach and he still ended up giving all the trials and tribulations that went his way in Tennessee. He still ended up being a what two-time pro bowler offensive rookie of the year. And I never forget this. I believe it was the pro bowl of 2009, 2010 when he connected with Andre Johnson for, what was it like a 50 yard touchdown? 
And I sit here and say it to myself, that, sh that, sh that should have been every single day inside Reliance Stadium at the time. I, John, I, I still can't get over that. <laughs> One of the more overrated draft misses, I think, is the Texans passing up on Hughes, uh, on Vish Young. I think that's you overrated. Said, it's how? overrated and think about uh, it. Every I time you look at no that more. late – 2000s, early 2010s team, what did we kept saying? Even though Matt Schaub did his thing, man, if they just had a better quarterback, you, you cannot sit here and tell me you don't think Vision would have been a better, better quarterback than, 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 than Matt Schaub at that time. So I think one of the Texans' most – one of the worst mistakes in their draft history actually goes to the 2007 NFL draft. With the number 10th overall pick, the Houston Texans drafted a Mobile Okoye out of Louisville at the time. Mobile Okoye was, I believe, 19 or 20 years old. Mm -hmm. The following picks are as followed. Patrick Willis, Marshawn Lynch, and number 14, Darrell Revis, Lawrence Timmons. So I think when you look at the Texans possibly having an opportunity to draft one of the greatest linebackers in his short time, of course, but of the past 20 years, one of, uh, you know, one of the better running backs that we've seen in the past 20 years. Uh, then you look at Darrell Revis, you know, maybe a top five, top six, seven cornerback of all time. I don't know where you want to put him, but he's one of the all-time greats at that position. Adding that element to the Houston Texans, I think, uh, it's probably their worst draft mistake of all time. They drafted a kid at the time who couldn't even drink legally. Hmm. Uh, and so maybe have to, you know, have his parents or his cousins buy his beer after, you know, hard for a game. And uh, I think when you look at that, that is Houston's biggest mistake of all time in a draft because Darrell Revis and Patrick Willis alone, I think, are the two players that I look at. And I say they immediately impact your franchise for a very long time on the defensive side of the ball. Hmm. Um, another draft mistake that I want to bring up, and I hate to bring this up because I really did like the guy, John, but you know, it's just so bad. With the and then to make matters even worse, with the 40th pick of the 2020 NFL draft, the Houston Texans select Ross Blacklock, the yes. same pick that they got in the trade that sent um D Hop to the Arizona Cardinals, and who was the very next pick after that? Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. But I would say, I would say, when I when you take a look at a lot of mistakes, and there are several mistakes, we could probably go on and on and on for a whole week. Um, this is the one thing I would say I I would give Nick Asirio and his and his staff credit for. Because it doesn't matter if you're looking at the 2021 class where they had the worst draft capital going in, or if you take a look at the last two years, um, the promise and the potential, well, just last year alone, the promise and potential and what we are expecting him to do this year. Um, I, I would like to give Nick Casario and his staff credit, man, because for the first time, I feel confident in the Texans going into the draft and picking not only, you know, a player that fits their ideal culture, whatever the case might be, but they're picking guys who have a lot of promise and a lot of potential. And I say that because when you go back and take a look at that last Eugene with Bill O'Brien, boy, some of them players that they picked, it was just like, what in the world were you thinking? Everybody's favorite tight end. What was his name? Kelly Warren. Like you drafted him in the third round. 
Yeah. How many games did he play? Oh my god! I think maybe three games, if that. Yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texan podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Also, subscribe to the Locked On Texan podcast on YouTube as well. And as always, I'm your host Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore twenty four. Once again, that's Cody C O T Y D A V I S underscore twenty four. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.